1: Mr. Glee's retriever signal is coming in as planned. <gasps> the Batmobile! Oh, yes, my switch with Mr. Glee in the trunk! <laughs> we'll give pursuit. We'll find the Batcave. Quick, to the mobile. Holy honeycorn, that's a tracking signal. Obviously, there's a tiny transmitter built into that robot in the trunk. <laughs> You mean you knew we were being followed? Oh, yes. How's the retriever signal? Stronger than ever, Joker. (sighs) I can't help that, Joker. The signal says right turn. Ooh, how humorous! <laughs> Hold tight for the bumps, Daisy.
2: <laughs>
1: Look, we've discovered the entrance to the back cave. Get the gas grenades. Roger. Oh, we'll gas them out of the cave and get them when they come out. <laughs> Death to the blundering bats! Tally-ho! <laughs> What's the matter? Bizarre! The signal says the Bat Cave is here! Look!
0: We've been out-tripped! <laughs>
1: Oh, by all the saints of wicked mirth, I'll have it! The last laugh will still be mine! Poor box! Why, you impertinent flying rodent! Miss Miller and I are off to see my associate, millionaire Bruce Wayne, on a most important matter! (laughs) Let's go, Robin! No use hounding these innocent citizens. Let's take the Batmobile in for a safety check, shall we? You're right, Batman, it's long overdue.
3: Excuse me, sir. Yes? It's the Batphone. To the Batpoles. To the
2: Batmobile. Hi, this is Ed S. here, and you're listening to
3: Nostalgic Radio and
0: Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. and I'm your show host, Robert, running the computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website page, golfstreammotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, you can follow us. Uh, Actually, you can go to our archive page, where we have most of our shows, I should say most of our shows, uh, uploaded. Anyway, uh, I want to wave to everybody here, because this is the second week now that we've been doing this, um, oh, what do they call it? Facebook. Facebook Live. Okay, so I'm on Facebook. Tommy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great because I'm not on Facebook. You're not on Facebook. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's funny because, see, this used to be just a humble little radio show, and I used to just sit here by my little old lonesome, you know, for that one hour a week when I'm just going to be, like, I forget about everything. I'm just, like, you know, just this little radio show guy talks about cars and, and some cool stuff and interviews some pretty interesting people. Now, I feel like I'm on TV, because we have, I see, uh, I believe we're streamed on YouTube, and we're streamed on Facebook, so now it's like, uh, we got no margin for error, you know, it's just the real deal, I mean, like, what you see here is, this is what it looks like in a studio, this is uh, my little backdrop here, our little poster, or our banner here, and it was done by my good friend Dougie at the sign shop. In fact, let me give him a shout out. His number was seven two seven three nine two four eight five two. That's Dougie at the sign shop. So he did that. He's in the cars. In fact, everybody that we affiliate ourselves with is uh, you know kind of messes around with cars. They're either in the car business or they're a hobbyist or something of that nature. And uh, as soon as I can figure out here, what am I doing? Oh, my cord stepping on my cord. We have a new. I have a new set of earphones here. I think, so I got to get used to these too. And it sounds a little bit differently. So if I sound different, it's because I think I sound different, but I probably don't sound different. I'm just a little me, myself, and I. Anyway, so this is the way it is. We're in a little radio studio. Now we're like live. And uh, well, you know, I mean, just, you, get a, you get kind of an, a sense of uh, what it's like sitting in the studio. Now, I'm staring at Tommy. Tommy's in the production room over there, and he's doing all the good stuff. And I'm just kind of making noise over here is what I'm doing. So anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, we have uh, pretty interesting guests coming on. We have not just one, but you have two people. And, uh, in fact, these were the people that were supposed to come on last week. But we had a little bit of a scheduling uh, little thingy here, which happens from time to time, because uh, one of the guys uh, was on a bus trip and didn't get back in time. So we just kind of carried it. But now, this is the, probably going to be the first uh, week, or maybe next week, we're going to start what we call Legends of the Summer Series. And Legends of the Summer Series, this is something my son and I started last year, and we're going to just kind of focus on some really cool people, interesting people that were prominent. They could have been in racing, could have been in music, could have been, uh, you know, something to do with cars, motorcycles, boats, uh, anything of that nature. And so we're going to do features. Like last year, for example, we had Dick Dale, the legendary Dick Dale guitarist, surf guitarist. We had uh, Ed Meyer or myers Manx, founder can't even think of his first name right now. Shame on me. Uh, he was on our show last year. We had uh, a couple other people on. So this year, we're going to kind of keep it just as uh, exciting as it was last year. In fact, uh, we have some musicians lined up. So interesting people. So anyway, so if, be sure and tell your friends. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Talent Talk Radio Network, nostalgic radio and cars. Okay, so on that note, uh, there's no car shows going on. I didn't really do much other than the usual stuff, you know, tinker around with my AMG and tinker around with... Uh, you know, my usual hobbies, um, doing some, I do what I do in my spare time, I shouldn't say spare time business-wise, is I do uh, insurance, I shouldn't say insurance work, but for you, the car guy that owns a late model car or a classic or an antique, if your late model, your most recent vehicle that you drive every day has been involved in an accident, I do what they call diminished value reports and total loss reports. So if your car's been involved in an accident and it's been fixed and repaired, I'm the guy that puts the valuation on that for the uh lost value of your crashed and repaired car so having said that so let's just say you got a thirty thousand dollar car and it was wrecked and it was fixed it's not worth what it was before the accident there's a value there. there's a diminished value there so my job is to to determine what that value is being the fact that i come from this salvage our business uh many years 35 years in the industry parts junkie yeah we all know i'm a parts junkie I'm a hoarder, yes, um, and but I but I dig cars. I'm in the cars, so you know I kind of know what they're doing, what what goes on with them, and the fact that I'm a licensed dealer, so I'm on top of the market. Uh, I deal with a lot of classic and antiques mostly, and then I've been doing a lot of late model stuff. So I do diminished values on cars. So don't forget to check out our website, Caustreamotorsports.com, and then I'm more than likely I can help you out. Got a couple little jobs going on this week, mostly 2015, 16, 17 cars, 18s um possibly a 2019 mercedes lined up right now i am waiting to hear back from the people on that one lady went out and uh it was a loaner car interestingly enough and uh she let her child drive it her 16 year old and uh it was a little more car than they're used to it got away from them and it was involved in an accident so um not their fault somebody ran into them but still nonetheless so now we're kind of like in the middle of that one so my job is to ascertain what that uh the value of that 2019 Mercedes CL63 was. Anyway, uh, like I said, we got a pretty interesting show for you tonight. I think what we're going to do, Tommy, there was, uh, since I've been running kind of behind schedule, there was a group back in the day, and I'm not sure if the song was called Stick Shifts or By the Four Speeds or Four Speed by the Stick Shifts or something like that. Maybe you can find that song. Since we're we're on this drag racing thing, um... Couldn't I couldn't find it um, because I was busy prepping. But uh, we played that song many 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 years ago on this show, and uh, it was kind of a cool old song. So it was by it was a '60s song, and it's really more of an instrumental. So if you can find that one, that'd be ideal. I think it was either called the Four Stick Shifts by the Four Speeds, or Four Speed by the Stick Shifts, or something of that nature. Or uh, then there was another song that we used to play. Uh, from time to time, and I remember my one of my very first guests was on the show, who was a drag racer, who was out of St. Pete, and uh, his name was Gary King, still is around, and uh, he used this drag race uh, a gasser Falcon back in the day. And uh, so we played this song, and I can't remember if the title of the song was Big Wednesday or something of that nature, because our first show, when we first started airing, actually the first show was on a Tuesday, but then we were moved to a, to a Wednesday. Then we moved back to a Tuesday, and now we're back to a and then we went to a Wednesday, and then we decided, you know what? I think Tuesday's probably a good day. So we're on Tuesday. Did you find it, Tommy? Well, I found something by the four speeds. What's it called? RPM? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you go ahead and play that one? Let's just see what that sounds like. And uh, fire that one up. Well, since we're about music and cars, I think this is okay. There you go. Hey, you're tuned into to Nostalgia Freedom Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. What's the name of the song, Tommy? RPM. By the Four Speeds, right? R-P-F. Sounds good. I like it. Okay, we're back in tuning in to Nostalgic Freedom Cars. Oh, uh, yeah, one more thing, too. You like that little sound effect you just heard of that drag car? That was actually taken from uh, Billet Proof over at Lakeland International Speedway. So a lot of the sound effects that you hear on this show... They're actually live. So if they're cars and they're squealing tires and they're smoking or they're boat races or something like that, chances are those are live recordings because we want this show to be as organic, ooh, listen to that word, organic, as real as possible. Now, what I'm going to do is because we got these two guys coming on here in a few minutes, I'm going to go ahead and cut my dialogue or my monologue, if you will, kind of short because what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and get these guys on. So, Tommy, I'll tell you what, when you get ready to set the phone, uh, go to our little clip here that we got set up. Go ahead and give these guys a call because I want to get them on the show, particularly uh, Bill. Okay, I want to give him a call first, and then get Mike on, and then um, so we're going to be talking about that. But let me give you a little uh, little shout out here to uh, those guys. Uh, you know, there's always car shows going on in the state of Florida, right? So uh, if you want to find out where all the car shows, if you listen to that commercial a few minutes ago that Bobby did. Definitely check out flacarshows.com because that's where all the stuff is. All the car shows, North Florida, South Florida, East Florida. If you're in Pensacola, if you're in Amelia, if you're down in the Keys, I mean, flacarshows.com tells you where all that stuff is. Now, the big event that's coming up, there's a lot of stuff going on all over the country, okay? Particularly if you're from up north, you know, a lot of stuff going on in Michigan. you got the Woodward Dream Cruise coming up in a couple months but the big event that we're looking forward to is the Monterey Collector Car Week. So that's coming up in a few weeks. And we're going to have – or actually in August. Third week and – second week, third week, second, third week, so- something like that in August. And we're going to have a number of people on ahead of time to kind of build some excitement. And, like, you know, I talk about these four shows that you guys want to attend all year round. And obviously, it starts in January. You go to Scottsdale, Arizona. Got to go there for the Collector Car Week. Of course, right here in our own backyard, we got Kissimmee. you got Meekham's auction. These got 3,000 cars. 3,000. Not one, not two. 3,000 cars. That's a lot of cars. You go to Scottsdale, and between six auctions, you might have 3,000 cars. Okay. Then, of course, we got Amelia Island, which is the number one event around the world. And that is in our own backyard up here in Ferdinand Beach, Jacksonville. That's uh, promoted and orchestrated by our good friend Bill Warner. Then you've got Monterey Collective Car Week, which is in August, which is just you know a week-long extravaganza of car shows, auctions, and then, of course, all leading up to the Pebble Beach Concourse. And then in November, we have SEMA. And that is uh, usually the first weekend in November, last weekend in October. And that's just basically like uh, anything and everything you want to know about anything to do with the aftermarket automobile business, you know, hot rods, cool cars, customs, you know, modern-day stuff, uh, you definitely got to go check out SEMA. So those are the four major events a year you definitely want to go to. If nothing else, Monterey, Amelia, Scottsdale, and uh, SEMA. Well, I just named them all. You can't just go to one. You got to go to all of them, you know. So that's just the way it is. But anyways, Tommy, why don't you go ahead and fire up uh, – he's on there doing the thing so I got to kind of make up some stories as we go. You know, I don't really have a lot of stories this week because I really, you know, other than the news running mill stuff, uh digging through my trailers, trying to organize a few parts. Um, it's funny when you you know when you start running through all your piles of stuff, I run across an old four-speed shifter box, a Hurst one. So, uh a lot of times, you know, some of the information is available online, some of it isn't, but I found an old shifter box that I had laying around. Didn't even know I had it. So basically, it's uh, like I'm going to say late '60s, early '70s GM style because it's got the little hook and the bolt-in shifter deal on it, dealio as they say. And uh, but it looks like you know, like a Camaro Firebird kind of like slats, kind of kicks over to one side. You know, if you had an A-body car, they pretty much come straight up and down. Same thing with a Torino. Same thing with a B-body or yeah, B-body Mopar. But a, but a F-body Camaro or a Mustang, the shifters kind of kick over to one side, and that's what I believe this thing is. And, you know, if you want to go to eBay and you want to look at completed sales based on eBay numbers, it's probably worth $100 to $175 for a shifter box. Now, if it's early car and it's a date-coded part, and there are date codes on them, okay, and there are numbers on them, you can cross-reference the part numbers. But this looks like this was an aftermarket Hearst Competition Plus, even though they had basically a Hearst Competition Plus, a Hearst Competition-style shifter that was available, 68, 69, 67, 70, 71, 72, and so forth, Camaros. But if you went in and bought an aftermarket one uh, in a Hearst box, you know, chances are that's what this one is. So this is not, I don't believe, an OEM. Uh, it looks like a re- uh, like an you know, over-the-counter, like if you went down here to, back in the day, automotive, speed, automotive engineering speed shop or, I think it's called Gearheads today. So, anyway, Tommy, you got, uh, got something queued up for us there? Good. All right, so stick around. We got a great interview coming. We got some real legends coming on the show here in a few minutes. So, uh, you tune into Nostalgia Kitty Cars. We'll touch the dial. We'll be right back. Here's a little Willie Nelson.
3: Well, I woke up still not dead again today. The internet said I had passed away Well, if I died, I wasn't dead to stay And I woke up still not dead again today Well, I woke up still not dead again today The gardener did not find me that way You can't believe a word that people say Woke up still, not dead again today. I run up and down the road, making music as I go. They say my pace would kill a normal man. But I've never been accused of being normal anyway. I woke up still, not dead again. Not dead again today Who said I was gone to my dismay Don't bury me, I've got a show to play And I woke up still not dead again today I run up and down the road Making music as I go They say my
1: Some of these people, Danny Angais in particular, runs a car, and it looks as though the car is out of control for 1,320 feet. But he runs that thing faster than anybody else has been able to run a funny car this year. The American Hot Rod Association Spring Nationals at Bristol, Tennessee, brings together 51,000 fans for whom the greatest sight in the world is a blown funny car or AA fueler going through the lights with everything wound out tight. During 1969, the quickest funny car in the business is driven by Danny Angais. His Mustang is built and maintained by the legendary Mickey Thompson. The heart of this torpedo is a Ford 427 cubic inch single overhead cam V8, supercharged and burning nitromethane fuel. The engine develops 1,500 horsepower. Gaia's funny car record is 6.96 seconds and 207 miles an hour for the quarter mile. Uh, it's been an unreal season for us. We've uh, won over 90% of the races that we've participated in and won out of the 12 national events that we were very uh, interested in.
2: We've won 11 of the 12 so far. Well, I think it takes it takes three uh, main things. It takes a very good piece of equipment. When I say equipment, that's the chassis, engine, uh, mechanical features. It takes an excellent mechanic and it takes a good driver. When you spin the tires it lays rubber in the ground and we usually try and back right over the same marks and the combination of the traction compound and a rubber laying on the ground will usually drop you about fifteen hundredths of a second if you can stay right on the same marks.
1: By late afternoon, drag racing's process of elimination has weeded out all but on Gaius and Leonard Hughes. One one-hundredth of a second separates their best times. Now they will face each other for the funny car title. You figure that the normal reaction time for a person is about fifteen-hundredths of a second. It takes about another tenth of a second to get the tires all wound up and the drive shop all wound up and everything. working with twenty-five hundredths of a second and if you can split the difference between a light going on and off it takes a half a second for the light to go on and off and it takes you twenty-five hundredths of a second to get moving it's all something that's laid out before you and you leave when the lights halfway off I don't think there's anything magic but it's really anticipation i to lead. To you lead. lead. When the time came for Danny Angais to leave, he left. And he left in time to take the AHRA Spring Nationals Funny Car title with him.
2: I made a prediction one time a drag racing car would run 150 miles an hour in a quarter of a mile. It's some of the famous magazine writers at that time poked fun at me. And I actually believe that we will see someday a five-second quarter of
1: a mile run in over 300 miles an hour.
2: Hi there. This is Ohio George Montgomery, the gasser King. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's uh, time to introduce our special legendary guest for the evening. I'm delighted to welcome to the show the original driver for the Hurst Hemi under glass, Wild Bill Shrewberry. Bill, how you doing, buddy? Fine, thank you. Well, you know what we've been we've been talking about doing this for quite some time, so uh, you know. We have a lot of mutual uh, acquaintances, you know. Uh, George Montgomery was on our show that we just played his little thing. Ed Iskandarian was on our show a while back, and uh, you at one point drove for the legendary Mickey Thompson. So uh, why don't you go back in time? Let's go way back in time. Tell us how you all got uh, involved with cars.
2: I well, I'm from Mansfield, Ohio, and uh, we always cars were the only thing then, you know, in my mind, and that's what I worked on and. Even before I was old enough to drive, I went down to town to the square and watched them go around. I knew everybody. I knew what's going on and all that. And, and uh, it, it was just—it was just a hobby. I just liked doing it. You know, I didn't—I didn't go drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. I just worked on the car.
0: What was your uh, first car that you had? First
2: car I had was a '50 Chevy.
0: '50 Chevy and, was it? A, uh, did you hot rod it out, or was it just a little straight six cylinder, or what was it?
2: It was a straight six cylinder. Then I put a. Uh, it came with a two sixteen. Then I put a two thirty five in it, and then I ended up putting a two sixty one in it of a Chevy truck. And then one night uh, in '57, uh, Thunderbird, uh, our guy with a Ford had a supercharged Ford. They come out with that. He just waxed me good, and I went home that night and pulled the motor out of it. And then uh, George Montgomery had a Cadillac, and I thought, well, I'll go to the junkyard and get a Cadillac motor. And I went there, and they wanted they wanted uh, $300 for the Cadillac motor, and they wanted $100 for the uh, Buick motor. So I bought a Buick and put in it. Okay. And I never could find that guy again. I tried to find him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know we run up Mount Vernon, which is a little racetrack I used to run. I, I remember running 100 miles an hour and a quarter mile, and that was a long time ago.
0: Wow, 58. wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. like low 15s, high 14 seconds, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. You had to weld the spider gears together and, you know, run 411 gears and do all that. And it was a three-speed LaSalle transmission, you know, a big transmission. And that, that was the that was the thing in the day, right?
0: That was it, yeah. Now, you raced against some legends. So uh, you mentioned George Montgomery because I guess he was from Ohio, too, Ohio. And, uh, so, uh, tell us about some of the other names you ran. across. matter of fact, why don't we jump right into your, uh, where, where things kind of started happening for you when you raced the Pontiac, you were at a drag race one time and you saw some Pontiacs racing. And then that, what did that inspire you to do? So tell us that story.
2: Yeah, I saw uh, a Packer Pontiac and Royal Pontiac. Uh, they were racing at, uh, at, uh, a national meet and one in protest, the other one. And, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, When it come to the final two, the guy that didn't race anybody ended up winning, and I thought, well, that guy's cheating, because the other guy was cheating, and he beat everybody in the final run, you know, he couldn't pass that, probably, so I figured, okay, so I went home and bought a new Pontiac, and I, I, uh, it was a 1961, 61, Yeah. yeah, and, and, uh, I ended up Taken all the weight I could out of it, and acid dipped, and I found out what was lighter than a hole, a bunch of holes, and I did everything I could do to make that car run better. Like Corvette came out with a with a same transmission, but it was aluminum, and we weren't allowed to have aluminum. But I bought one at the junkyard that had a rear, wrecked tail shaft and I put it in the car. Uh, yeah, I made the, the aluminum, and I painted it like it was metal. <laughs> you know, you did in those days. They didn't weigh anybody, so I took a lot of weight out of the car. I after dipped a lot of stuff, and I was—we had an aircraft supply, and I was able to get a bunch of aircraft stuff. And I just—I just worked on my car all the time. You know, mm-hmm. that was the only thing I had. And I was lucky enough to—lucky enough to go to the races the next year. And those guys pulled the same thing again. And you know what? What? I lucked out. I beat them.
0: You beat them. Okay. That's good. That's good. Now, when you raced that Pontiac, what kind of engine were you running back then?
2: I was running a, a three forty 340, three eighty nine, three forty five horse or three thirty horse, something like that.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh it had three two barrels on it, you know, with a with an a color cam in it and all that stuff. Pontiacs were the they were the thing to have in the day, you know, that ran good. Okay. But uh they didn't weigh the cars, nothing. They didn't do anything, and and then Pontiac, they they sort of had me hired me, or they were friends of mine, and and after they they give me money to tear the car down, take the head off, I would have pulled the motor out for them what they gave me, and they uh, couldn't find anything, and they didn't know what I did. So then they hired me to go to their tech center, and and I I was lucky enough to. Be there for a while, and then Montgomery. uh, I mean, then they called me and had me go to see Delorean, which was head of Pontiac, George Delorean. Uh huh. And uh, he said to me, "I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go to California and run our cars for Mickey Thompson." (laughs) I'd never been anywhere. I'd never been anywhere past St. Louis in my life. And I got in my car and I went to California. And of course, Jack Chrisman was there with his with uh he was my buddy you know we got to be friends and i had a neat shop i couldn't believe it, it was all to myself and all these cars and all these things they had nine or ten cars there you could do with it whatever you wanted you know swiss cheese cars they had all the they 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 were just it was just really neat place i couldn't believe it i thought i died and went to heaven
0: <laughs> well now how old were you back then
2: Well, I was 22 when I went to California.
0: Okay. So when you were first started uh, drag racing, so let's say it's like 60, 61, what was your occupation back then? What did you do?
2: I drove a truck for a laundry.
0: Oh, really? So you're a truck driver, and then, of course, like a lot of guys, you know, you're just the average guy, and you're a car enthusiast, and you uh, saved every penny you could, and you put it into your street car, your race car, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I lived cars all the time. It was just it was just great. You know, we had a lot of neat people like Ohio, George Montgomery, and all that. I never had to race that guy, and I didn't want to race him because he was fast. <laughs> and
0: he in very...
2: a different class than I did.
0: Uh-huh. Now, when you get out to Mickey Thompson's, um, everybody thinks Mickey Thompson is, um, you know, Ford. But when—so Pontiac, Mickey Thompson was actually doing some stuff for Pontiac back in the day?
2: Yes. Uh-huh. He had a— he had uh, uh, a guy named uh, Hayden Profit. Oh, okay. Drove cars for him, and then Lloyd Cox. Okay. And then, uh, and then I was the next driver. I don't know what happened to those guys, but I did see, I did see those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, they talked to me. They come and talked to me, and and they they were fine. Uh, I couldn't believe it though. All the parts and pieces and everything. I I I was in seventh heaven there.
0: Now you mentioned the Swiss cheese cars. Now there's, as the rumor goes, um, a lot. The Swiss cheese cars were basically they drilled out big holes in the frames and they did everything they could to lighten those. It was a full size Pontiacs. That, and th- by then, when you got out there in '62, they were probably running 421s. And uh, yeah. So uh, you yeah. did you did you work on those cars? Help build some of those cars, and to what extent? And then you drove them as well, right?
2: Well, I had a, uh, I had. A, what the first car they had for me to drive was, was a, a 63 Pontiac Tempest. It mm-hmm. had a 421 in it, and it had two four-barrels on it, and, and uh, the, it had two Powerglide transmissions hooked together in the back of the car with a rope dry shaft, and 61 to 63 Pontiac had the, the transmission in the back of the car.
0: Okay, it was a transaxle car, right.
2: Yes, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and and uh, you could put a you could put a uh, uh, converter on it, and you could take it off and put a clutch on it. Oh, really? And a throwout bearing and all that. Yeah, and you had a, a pedal, but it was faster. The car was faster with the clutch, but every third or fourth time it would break the rear end in it, which was a three ninety gear, and it was the same rear end that they put in a Corvair.
0: Oh, okay. So it was the interpe- so, what,
2: so what I had to do to beat those guys because they had half a dozen. of Those guys had them, you know. Uh, Doran, brother had one, and uh, I, I had to, <laughs> I had to take the converter to B and M because it only had like eleven hundred stall speed, and I got a, a, over three thousand stall speed out of it, and. Uh, And uh, uh, it was fast, and I got the smallest M&H tire I could get that fit under the wheel well, because the 390 gear was the only gear ratio you could get in that day in that car. (laughs) And uh, that car was faster with the stick, but it would break the rear end every third or fourth time. So I didn't want to break, and then I was lucky enough to win the class with it. Okay. 63 AFX.
0: Okay. Did you get a lot of factory support from Pontiac back in the day when you guys were racing Pontiacs?
2: Well, yeah, a lot of parts and pieces, but (laughs) you had to do with it what you wanted to do with it, you know. They had so much stuff at Mickey's shop, I, I couldn't even believe it. They had, you know, gears and transmissions and stuff are still in the box.
0: Interesting, interesting. So when you were at Mickey Thompson, so you were racing around with the Pontiacs, did you ever cross over to some of the other stuff that he was doing?
2: No, I didn't.
0: So you were strictly I, Pontiac.
2: I, yeah, and then what happened was Pontiac quit racing right after that. Oh, okay. After the after the Winter Nationals, like end of March or something like April, mm-hmm. they quit racing, and then I had to get a job in a wheel factory, welding wire fed wheel wheels, and uh, then Jack Chrisman came and and uh, told me because I was good friends with Jack Chrisman, uh-huh. and he'd won uh, nationals with the Pontiac dragster and he said to me i need i need you to quit this job now i got i'm getting a comet 64 comet with a 427 in it And i'm going comet didn't sound like a hot deal to me because i remember the little six-cylinder cars and all that no 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 they're for real nicholson's got one and ronnie Sox has got one and we ended up getting one of those cars
0: Okay. And tell us about that now. That was a pretty serious car. So that was a lightweight, uh, body in white uh Ford uh gas uh, AFX car, right?
2: Yes, that's correct. AFX and Ronnie Fox had one and Nicholson had a station wagon and all that and and uh, we I only we only got the car a week before Pomona.
0: uh-huh,
2: And they had the track rented, and I'm out there trying to figure out things and and stop blueprinted a motor for us. And uh, the night before we went out to the races, we put the new motor in the car, because those guys were running 11 O's and Rosin, and I didn't know what that was. I'm, I'm from Ohio. I don't know what, <laughs> what Rosin was, California. And then uh, th- then they they probably weren't legal. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about them, except I just was glad to, to run them, and the first guy I had to race was Nicholson. Uh-huh. And uh, I was lucky enough to beat him, and I felt real bad. I looked over when I put the car in high and he was over there pulling on the steering wheel, and I felt bad for a little bit, Then <laughs> I got over that. <laughs> and I, Ronnie Sox was the next guy I raced, and we both turned us identical, same E.T., but I just beat him. I, I, I must have left before he did, or I had to leave before he did, I guess, to do that. And from then on, I was fine. Everything was great.
0: Was um, four speeds, you know, I'm a big four-speed guy, so four-speed was like the, you know, if you could power shift a four-speed back then, that was probably the most prevalent transmission back then, right?
2: Yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: When did they start phasing in automatics? I mean, did you run up against cars that had automatics and very often then, or it was pretty much everything four-speed?
2: Chrysler did. Chrysler had good automatics.
0: Oh, Chrysler had good automatics? Those
2: cars. Yeah, they did in those days. That was the day, then in the 65, when they had altered wheel based cars uh-huh you know they run they, they run a different class and uh big cars okay they, they had a deal at lion's uh, lion's dragship in Long Beach and uh, we were lucky enough to win it thirteen weeks in a row with the comet it was a hundred dollars I needed that money every time
0: that's what you that was the purse was a hundred bucks every time you won
2: yeah run run what you run and uh and any size tire they could have. Those 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 Mopar guys had uh, big tires on them instead of seven-inch tires. That's what they had to be legal. But they could run any size tire. Huh. It's run what you brung, and uh, and that was that was that was the day.
0: Huh. Okay. So then after uh, you were racing with Chrisman and the and the and the Fords and stuff for a while, then uh, what happened after that? How'd you where'd you where'd your career go from there?
2: Well. Um, they had, the Lincoln Mercury dealer in Honolulu, Hawaii, was named Jimmy Fluger, and he had a he he had he owned the drag ship over there, and he was the largest Lincoln Mercury dealer, sold the most Lincoln the, and Mercury than any other dealer in America, and he was quite an enthusiast, and and they made him an a like a BFX car, the same as the AFX car, but with a 289 motor in it, and he had me run it. Long Beach before we took it to Hawaii and then had me bring it to Hawaii and uh, run it, and uh, it was in December then, and uh, he's telling me, uh, in the meantime, uh, Ray Brock from Hot Rod Magazine and George Hurst were going fishing, and they wanted me to go fishing with them on a boat out in the ocean, and I went out, I went fishing with them, and I don't know how they caught any fish, because I probably fed them all. I was so sick. (laughs) And and uh, George Hurst kept telling me, Ray's, you know, he keeps saying, he's got a car, he wants me to drive, and I got a car, I need you to drive, and all this and that, and, and I didn't know what he was talking about, and finally Ray Brock from Hot Rod Magazine told me, tell him you'll drive it to get him off your back, so I told him I would, and, and uh, he called me like a month later and wanted me to come back to to Detroit at uh, the tech center, and the and, uh, get the car, and I went back there, and the car needed a lot of work done on it, and it, was a, it had a four-speed in it, and it was in the back, called Hemi Under Glass, and, uh, and it, they wanted to run it on seven-inch tires, and had to put another rear end under it and do all kind of things to it, and worked on it for about a month and a half, and uh, I had I had a lot of help doing that, and the uh, first time we ran it was in Bristol, Tennessee, the first of June, and I borrowed a set of ten inch tires from Ronnie Sox and uh it went right up on the rear wheel, hit the bumper, scraped, went about maybe maybe two hundred feet and everybody went crazy. And then Richard Petty told me there's not enough people in the stands over there to make me drive that car. <laughs> 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 I didn't know. But and then from then on, uh, we decided to to keep doing wheelies, you know. Uh uh-huh. I up I ended up uh, two weeks later uh, we're at Riverside the, at a Hot Rod magazine meet, and before that meet, I put Hillborne injectors on the car, and that helped it. But that's before we had superchargers on it, and then you couldn't go all the way in those days because it, you just didn't have enough power to keep the car up to do that.
0: So what was the origin? The Hemion Glass started out, what, as a 67 Barracuda, and then— 65. 65? 65?
2: 65.
0: Oh, okay. So then how did the how did the concept come about? So that was that George Hurst's brain tile there that uh, throw that motor in the back there like he did?
2: Yes, uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. And what was what? it was it originally intended to be a drag car, a promotional car, or what was the original story on the Hemi Under Glass?
2: Promotional car. Said a rolling research laboratory is what it had on it.
0: Rolling research.
2: It wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. to do wheelies. And when I did it, God, they were excited. In fact, George and them they threw me in the swimming pool that
0: night. <laughs> the swimming pool. That's a good story. Okay. So I had
2: fun. I had a lot of fun doing all of this.
0: So so now on 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 the original Hemi under glass, did you actually do a lot of the wrenching on the car and a lot of the you know uh, experimenting with the car as well? So you weren't just the driver. You were actually wrenched on the car and you kind of helped modify the car and get the car so it would go down the road in one piece, right?
2: Well, originally we didn't have to do a lot because Paul Phelps from Hearst uh that worked on the car at okay. the research laboratory and it was it was just a four speed car to to try out a, a four speed was really neat. It was on rollers and you move the lever and the only problem with it you couldn't have a neutral in it. You, if you started the motor you had to have the clutch in. Okay. But but it was it was just a promotion for Hearst. And then when it started doing wheelies, everybody liked it, and, and uh, they were OEM manufactured for one year. And the next year, they went to an Oldsmobile. They had that twin engine Oldsmobile. Uh huh. I don't know if you remember yeah. that car. Yeah. Ha-
0: Harry That's Harry olds or something like that was called. Yes,
2: yes, the Harry Olds. That, they were going to quit running the Hemminger Glass and they do the Harry Olds. and it ends up that the 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 the. Uh, <laughs> The the Osmo Bill was so heavy, and I drove it a little bit in testing, uh-huh. and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And then in the meantime, before that happened, uh, Dodge got a hold of me, and I still run into him under glass, and they said, "You're you're going to be out of your deal. We want you on our team next year." And I said, "I am. No, no, no. You're you're Plymouth. We're Dodge. So, so they made me a, a sweet deal." And I did the LA Dart, and they got the LA Orange County Dodge dealers to to uh, sponsor it with the tow vehicle and and some bucks, and and I I did the Dodge from oh. then on. I, that's I and I didn't run the. I I would have stayed with the Hemi under glass if I knew they were going to run it, but since that Oldsmobile didn't work out, why? That's that's what happened. And I had a I, I had to get a kid after the guy from Oldsmobile. I mean, from Hirsch went with me at the end of the year almost, they needed him. Paul Phelps said going with me, they needed him to stay there and finish that Oldsmobile. And I had to get somebody. And I was going to Long Island from Detroit to Long Island Raceway. And I'm from Mansfield, Ohio. And I called three people that I know. The third people I called was Bob Riggle, which he really wasn't my friend, but I needed somebody to work because I had some run-ins with him before. And I got him to go with me for six weeks. And I know every time we would talk to, we would talk, I'd talk to the factory. And he'd come right on the phone, tell him Bob said hi, you know, and all this and that kind of stuff. And I'm going, well, all right. So it ended up that that uh, I sent him home, and uh, I kept the car in California for a while until the end of the year. Then I took it back. Okay. And, uh, and uh, I got my built a hemi under glass i mean the the, the la dart okay but I, I had fun i mean Hearst was good i had a good time with Hearst and they were nice people and and i had a, we had a good understanding and and i did great and now that now uh, i don't know what's happening with Hearst. i don't think they're like they used to be gung-ho anymore and other people have got it but uh i know that uh that that they started running the car again. That Riggles started with it again, and and uh, he's retired so many times that uh, I can't keep track of him. <laughs> you know, I don't try to keep track of him. You know, right? And uh, and he tells everybody that they ask him about me, and he said, "Oh, he he le- he leaves me a car for six months."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know, it, it's just. And then the, the guy Mike Mantell has it now.
0: Okay, Mike Mantel. And he, yeah. And he was supposed to come on the show. The I don't we we haven't we're not able to get him on the phone, but we we're trying to get Mike. Now he's the new owner of the current Hemi Under Glass, correct?
2: Yes, uh huh.
0: Okay. And he's
2: the real deal. He's uh he's he's got Zach together. He's got a beautiful rig, a big Mercedes diesel truck that has a, a like a motorhome inside and uh-huh. pulls a big trailer and trailers puts two cars on the trailer and he's got a puts a golf cart up above and, and he's really, he's, he's done a good job with the car.
0: Excellent. Now you guys were at an event last weekend or was it this past weekend? There was somebody out West in, in, in Long Island or Long Beach. There has a recreation of lion's dragway. So tell us about that experience. We've got a few minutes yet.
2: Yeah. The lion's drag strip. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, the recreation of it, and they put it in a building. And Kenny Youngwood, I don't know if you know who that is. Uh-huh. Kenny Youngwood worked there about a year is what he told me on it. And it's beautiful. And the guy must, he's got way over 100 cars there. And, I mean, really nice cars. Not not so many race cars, just a lot of nice cars. Like, he probably got, I don't know, 10 or 12 wheelies, you know, from different years uh-huh. and all that. Stock ones. And, and and it it's beautiful deal. We were there and, in fact, Mike took me for a ride in the Hemi under glass there. Okay. In front of the people, we had they had a little bit of room outside. They wanted to do that, so we did that. And uh, and uh, I'm telling you, it's and we're getting ready to go to Woodward Avenue. They have a street race up there uh-huh. in Detroit or something later on the year. So it's so it's just a lot of fun. I'm just having a good time and. uh you know, tried to be retired, but I ended up...
0: All right, now, we got, we got a couple of minutes left. I want to digress for a second. There's a Batman and a Batmobile connection. So um, tell us a little bit about that real quick.
2: Well, George Barris, which I knew real well, had me drive the Batmobile. And they had one, and, and he said to me, we want to drag race it. I said, well... If you do, he said, okay, I'll get a Holman a Moody 427 Ford, because he had a connection there, he said. I'll get one of them, and we'll get an ARC car transmission, C6 automatic, and we'll put in the car. And uh, and a good Nigel rear end in it and all that. And I said, fine, and, and, get, and he did that. He did that with the car.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: I used to do some stunt driving for the car, and... uh because the one that they had on the original series didn't run, and they would drag it around different places. But it was a lot of fun doing that. And in fact, I even took the dra- I took the Batmobile out and drag raced it.
0: What kind of I times did you on. turn? What kind of time? Mike might be calling in in a minute, so we only have a minute or two left. But what kind of times did you ta- uh, turn with the uh, Batmobile when you drove it on the drag strip? It would.
2: It only went the best I ever run with. It was like about a twelve ninety.
0: 12.90 is pretty fast.
2: Well, it had a, it. It didn't weigh a lot. It, it, I mean, it was you know less than three thousand pounds. It it was good, but what we did with it, it was we we didn't put real good tires on it. We wanted it to smoke the wheels,
0: oh, you know, spin okay. the
2: tires. You know, in fact, it would spin more if I took off in second gear. It would just smoke them for a long ways, and then you can make it twist a little bit and go squirrely and and the fire coming out the back, and the whole deal. It was a lot of fun. I even took my kids. I had it in Mansfield, and I took my kids to school in it. I got two boys.
0: Oh, wow. And,
2: uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then uh, I ran it at quite a few places. It was it was fun doing that. I've had a lot of fun. Got to do lots of things. and, and, and I got to go overseas a lot. You know, I've been to Le Mans. So I've been to... A Nürndorf ring. I've been to all kind of. lane sent me on a tour overseas.
0: Uh huh. So it
2: was it was great.
0: Most of the stuff that you did was drag racing, though.
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, I didn't do anything else. <laughs> Just stuck to what I knew. I went to Monte Carlo, and when you, at the big race, when you start the car up before the race, you know they want you to run around the track. Everybody went crazy because they never heard a car like that. Uh, Hemi
0: on alcohol. Now, did that car? So, basically, you took that car overseas too, and did exhibition runs in Europe with that car. Yes. Uh huh. Oh no, kidding. So out of then, the out of the countries uh, in Europe, who was the most? Which which country was the most receptive to the car? Obviously, I'm going to guess you went to Germany and Sweden because they're two big drag racing countries.
2: Yeah, Germany was a, the most fun I had. Well, I. I I did the Paris Air Show and stuff like that. They'd have me do that, you know.
0: Oh, really?
2: It it was, well, yeah. Then I went to Australia a lot in New Zealand.
0: Oh, okay. Now, drag racing's big down there, too. That's good.
2: Yeah. See, there's no drag racing in America from the middle of November till February. Right. And that's summer down there. Okay. And they had a big big series down there. And the first time I went down there and run, uh, they made me promise I'd come back every year. And I did. I think I went back 19 years. Something like that. Uh huh. Wow. I, I had a good time down there. And then New Zealand. I run New Zealand too. Uh huh. It was a lot of fun. I've had so much fun doing this. It's just unreal.
0: Well, Bill, we are just about out of time. So, uh, if people want to find out more about Hemi Under Glass and where you're going to be, how do they go about doing it? Is there a website they can go to real quick?
2: Well, my my website is it, it's my name at yahoo.com.
0: Fulltruthsweary
2: okay. at yahoo.com. Okay. That's it. And uh, I'll be glad to take care of anybody or see whatever they want or whatever. I, I just have a lot of fun doing this.
0: That's super. That's super. Well, Bill, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. You're a legend. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, we'll probably have you on again sometime in the future. Mike tried calling me on my cell phone, but I couldn't stop. So we gave him the other number. But what we'll do is we'll get both you guys on again sometime. Hopefully you'll make it to Florida. Okay, that's what we're hoping for, and uh, if yeah. you ever any ambition runs here now, I think if you go to hemiunderglass.com, they can find out. Mike Mantel, okay, M E M A N T E L, and uh, hemiunderglass. Yeah. The Barracuda, 60 is a 67 or 68, right now. What body style is it?
2: I don't know. Just hit me
0: under glass. All, all right. I know. Hit me under glass. All right. Well, it's 67, 68, 69. Anyway, hey, I want to thank Bill for coming on the show this evening. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to tell your friends for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Don't forget, we're doing our Legends of the Summer Series. We've got some very special guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And Monterey, Collector Car Weeks, coming up in August. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.